I'm Lillian Vasquez with Lifestyles on KVCR. Thanks for listening. On today's show, I'll speak with Emmy-nominated voiceover actor Daniel Ross. Daniel is the voice of Donald Duck on Disney Junior. And his work on Mickey and Minnie Wish Upon a Christmas is up for an outstanding voice performance in a preschool animated program in the first ever Children's and Family Emmys. Daniel shares how he learned to do the voice of Donald Duck at the age of three and talks about the challenging and exciting process of acting from inside a booth. Also on the show, we'll hear from KVCR's David Fleming, who shares his favorite holiday music. And we'll share information about the Nutcracker, the classic ballet that can be seen here in the Inland Empire this month. But up first, it's my conversation with voiceover actor Daniel Ross. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. So your voice can be heard on TV, in commercials, in a TV series, on video games, and in the movies. How did you fall into this profession? Yeah, so my voice has been everywhere. Uh, I've been everywhere. I've always loved the performing arts. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, I would do uh, you know stage performances or even just when family was over, I would be uh, silly and ridiculous. And making voices and impressions was definitely one of those things. So that has followed me my entire life. But uh, yeah, I've always loved the performing arts. I love escaping into a good TV show, movie, stage play, etc. And so to be a part of that was always an idyllic version of magic to me. So here we are doing voiceover all these years later for cartoons and uh, video games. All right. Well, based on that, uh, my question was going to be, were you the kid in the classroom that was a clown and you want to, or were you keeping the voices to yourself? But I'm guessing you were already using some voices. What, how were you as a kid growing up in the classroom? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was very mischievous in the classroom. <laughs> you know, back then, uh, prank phone calls were uh, apex mischief. So I, I used to use my superpowers for evil, <laughs> impersonating my teachers, my parents to get out of school you know, anything that I possibly could, or just to entertain people. So I was a total class clown. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe some of those students that you went to recognize your voice now or know your name when they see it in the credits and say, hey, that guy used to clown around in our classroom when we were young. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep in touch with a lot of my old classmates. And, uh, you know, they, they know what's going on in my life and, and where this strange trajectory has taken me from studying Shakespeare now to uh, voicing, uh, you know, Donald Duck and Lucky the Leprechaun and all those characters. It's, it's been quite a, quite a journey. So good. Let me ask you about that. What's the process for being a voiceover actor? Can you, can you paint a picture, since this is radio, what you actually do and how you do it? Voiceover in particular borrows from all the other different performative mediums. So when you're on the stage, you're projecting, you're using your vocal prowess to, so that people can hear you and over-exaggerate your, your bodily movements. Uh, on uh, film and TV, it's all within your eyes. And, you know, what do you do with your hands? You put those by your sides. Everything is very subtle. Everything is very nuanced. And so you grab elements from all that, and you realize very quickly when you're in front of a microphone, you don't have the luxury of speaking with your hands, using your facial expressions to emote uh, or to, you know, engage in conversation, making eye contact yeah. the way you normally would. Yeah. So you remove all of that, and you have to be able to convey your message 
simply with your voice. And I find that to be a very interesting challenge and something that uh, is really exciting every time I step in the booth. So based on working what you do, you're not always with the other actors. You're by yourself. You know, sometimes when you're on the scene, you know, you have the other person to play off. Or when you're on stage, you have the audience to play off. When you're in your booth recording your parts, is it in your head? Yeah, exactly. It's in my head. The, the voice director will usually help to guide me. You know, if, I, if maybe I'm lost somewhere in a script or maybe if I'm not, uh, you know, understanding the moment. But they help you understand your character background, the character design, uh, so many different elements and things you may not see until the finished production. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Usually we record alone. Sometimes we have a, a group session where all the actors are in one room together. And mm-hmm. let's be honest, I love that. Yeah. I prefer that because, yeah. again, you have other people to feed off of and to play with. And when you're in the booth yourself, uh, it's just your imagination. Yeah, that would be a little tougher. But you're an expert and you've done it. So I want to ask, and you mentioned it quite briefly, but I want to touch upon it a little deeper now. What other voices might we recognize your voice from or as? (laughs) Thank you. Well, so most people know me as the voice of Donald Duck. Uh, for Mickey and the Roadster Racers, and uh, I've been the voice of Lucky the Leprechaun. They're magically delicious. Hoo-hoo! I've done Lucky the Leprechaun. Most recently, uh, for Warner Brothers, there's a game called Multiverses, and I play Gizmo and Stripe from the Gremlins movies in this fighting platform. So Gizmo, <laughs> and of course Stripe, Gizmo, <laughs> yum, yum. So very different characters, and um, <laughs> let's see, uh, Uncle Shagworthy from Scooby-Doo, like Uncle Shagworthy at your service. Uh, he's been a really fun character, and I've uh, done stuff on the Tom and Jerry show, and uh, lo- lots of other fun things. Let me reintroduce my guest is Emmy-nominated voiceover Daniel Ross. He's the voice of Donald Duck on Disney Junior. So let's talk about where do you go inside your head, or maybe with your coach, or Uh, to get the different voices so they don't sound alike or like someone else, but that Lucky Charms sounds different than Shaggy's uncle, and and so they all have a different sound. Where do you go to develop what you want that voice or character to sound like when you pitch the idea or when you first present it to the director or whoever you're presenting it to? Oh, that's a great question. So when it comes to a legacy character, something that has been passed on from generation to generation, let's say Donald Duck or Lucky the Leprechaun, uh, those voices, you already know what the voice sounds like. You know what the character entails. So right. my job is to disappear behind that character so you don't really notice that there's a difference. In other instances, um, I just have to know my instrument. I have to know my vocal cords. So I know what my strengths are. I know what my opportunities are. So when I start investigating a different voice or a voice match or an impression, I already kind of have an idea of what I'm capable of. So if I can nail something with a little bit of work, then I'll definitely work on it. Mm -hmm. But most other character voices are just things mushed together or things that take inspiration from other things. One of the characters I I forgot to mention that most people do know me from uh, was from Transformers back in 2007. I was the voice of Starscream. Yes, Decepticons, this is Starscream. Make for the rendezvous. Your spark will soon be ours. (laughs) So when we were doing that character, 
you know, we were taking inspiration from what came before, but this was a brand new version of this character. So we had free reign to basically say, hey, who is this person? And uh, we found out on the day in the recording studio, and it was a whole thing. <laughs> hmm, wow. It sounds like a great, fun career. I'm sure there's there's a lot of work to it, of course, but it sounds like a job you might enjoy going to each day. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you, if you have to work, you know, and we do, <laughs> uh, you might as well pick something that uh, uh, keeps you engaged and keeps you excited and lets you feel that inner child at heart. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the, the biggest gratifying thing for me. Anytime I step in the booth, I am communing with my inner child, and we are just having a blast. So in terms of jobs, yeah, uh, voice acting, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. You have been nominated for an Emmy in the category of Outstanding Voice Performance in a Preschool Animated Program. It's Mickey and Minnie Wish Upon a Christmas for Disney Junior. How did you get the part? And tell me a little bit about the process. And in this one, are you working with the other actors against each other in a booth? Or again, are you by yourself? Oh, boy, oh, boy. That's a really good question. <laughs> so for Mickey and Minnie's Wish Upon a Christmas, this uh, was basically my curtain call as the character of Donald. I voiced Donald for seven years starting with Mickey and the Roadster Racers, Mickey Mouse Mixed Up Adventures. Uh, this was a holiday special, which you can watch on Disney+. Plus. And uh, <laughs> it was just such a sweet story. It was a wonderful story. And it was my last opportunity to submit for the Emmys to be considered. And, you know, to go on a little bit of a tangent here, uh, my mother taught me the voice when I was a little kid, when I was three years old. So Donald Duck was the very first voice outside of my voice that I learned how to do. And so she went on this journey with me from beginning to end of, you know, going through the casting process, being excited, and just having that that fun thing between us turn into a reality. I, you know, I grew up thinking I was going to be a dinosaur, and now I'm a voice <laughs> actor, let alone, you know, voicing one of the most famous uh, characters on the planet. Uh, for for almost almost 90 years. He's 88 years young. Hmm. But Mickey and Minnie's Wish Upon a Christmas was the last thing I saw with my mom before she unfortunately passed from cancer early this year. Hmm. So taking a shot and submitting it for the Emmy, you know, was not just for an accolade or just to, you know, put put something out there. It really was to honor her and the legacy that she gave me. So through me, other people get to know about Mama Duck uh, on TikTok and, you know, sharing that story. And it's just been, it's been wonderful to connect with people on that front. I, I can't tell you how many people have approached me to say, my uncle does a really good Donald Duck voice, my brother's <laughs> nephew, my cousin, you know, somebody really special in somebody's life would do that voice to make them laugh. And the fact that we all share that in common with this amazing character, uh, for me, is truly Disney magic. And so I'm grateful that my mom taught me this voice, uh, that I can make, you know, reverberate some smiles into the world all through just that little, little love language that she and I had, which was quacking at each other. You're listening to Lifestyles on KVCR. We're going to pause for just a minute. When we return, I'll continue my conversation with Emmy-nominated voiceover actor Daniel Ross. I'm Lillian Vasquez. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Why do we do the same thing every year? 
just joining us, I'm speaking with voiceover actor Daniel Ross. He's the voice of Donald Duck for Disney Junior, and his work on Mickey and Minnie Wish Upon a Christmas has earned him an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Voice Performance in a Preschool Animated Program. Is it tough to get this work, and and what would you say to a young individual who might be wondering, being that same kid in class, and not knowing that maybe he can do something with his voice, what would you say to them, or what's the discovery process? So I, somebody told me a long time ago, don't be afraid to let your dreams change. And Mm. I had no idea that I was going to branch over into voiceover. I always thought it was going to be exclusively, you know, on camera, TV, movies. That was going to be my thing, or maybe doing a musical here and there, a stage play. I never thought voice acting in a million years until I met voice actors. I was going to conventions Uh, out of my love of Transformers, and I would meet some of the voice actors from my favorite shows, and getting to know them personally behind the scenes was an indicator to me of, hey, you Hmm. you found your tribe. You found people that are weird and quirky like you, that have the same passion and interests. I want to be like them. And so that's really where the journey into voiceover started for me, because I just really loved the people behind the scenes. Voice actors... I exclude myself in the conversation, but voice actors in general are just some of the most hardworking, humble, lovely people you will ever meet and so grateful to be doing what they're doing. And I just wanted to emulate that. So here we are all these years later uh, after, you know, finding my tribe and saying, this is what I want to do. That's kind of how I fell into it. And what about young people? What would you recommend? You kind of said, be okay to change your dream or adjust your dream, but this is kind of a, a job you don't always think about that is something to do and could be fun and rewarding and financially, I guess it would be okay as well. Number one, follow your dreams as much as you can. You've only got one shot. You've only got one spark. Use it to the best of your ability. Now, you may find that your direction changes over time. For me, I studied acting. I studied the principles of you know the performing arts improvisation was really crucial, all foundational uh, to voice acting. Obviously, doing a bunch of voices was was key. That kind of opened up that realm of discovery for me. Right. Um, but it's not the end-all, be-all. We're not getting in front of the microphone and doing a funny voice. We're creating a character. We're creating a moment, something that is real and tangible. And you can't do that just with a silly voice. So if you have a bunch of silly voices and you want to go on that journey, uh, start studying the basics, acting, improvisation. Hmm. That would be my suggestion. All right. Let me reintroduce my guest is Emmy-nominated voiceover Daniel Ross. Well, I want to spend this last few minutes with you talking about your mom and maybe diving into that a little deeper in how maybe she talked to you at night 
telling you bedtime stories in the Donald Duck voice. I don't know. What, how did the whole thing begin with the two of you? Was she a voiceover actress as well? Or give me her background and your story together. Thank you. Yeah, so Mama Duck, uh, a.k.a. Michelle, she was an artist herself. She would sculpt, she would draw, she would paint. Very creative individual, just in a, in a different medium than I was. And so she was always very supportive when it came to my predisposition to want to, you know, perform and, and, you know, do shows and stage plays, et cetera. She always supported that. And, you know, we would just get into good mischief together. We would be silly and we'd watch a movie and we'd, you know, poke fun at different things. Uh, but we would always come back to the Donald Duck voice. And, you know, she would say, Oh, Daniel, I love your skill And I would say, Oh, Bob, I love you too. And so no matter the moment, mm-hmm. you know, good, bad, or otherwise, uh, that always brought us back to center and was just a, a very integral part of, of our relationship. But, you know, she would get me out of school uh, if there was an audition or something. You know, uh, I auditioned at one time for the movie Batman Forever, which uh, had Chris O'Donnell as Robin. But I was auditioning for a younger version of Robin. And she got me out of school. She came with me. You know, these are the kinds of things that that we would do together. But she was just such an inspiration. And with the holidays coming up, uh, she made the holidays amazing. Mm. Uh, I remember, you know, coming down in the mornings for Christmas and everything was set up overnight in the most magical way possible. Uh, She relished those moments of making joy for other people. And I think that's one of the gifts that she's given me is that I just I love seeing other people light up and be happy and doing voices just happens to be one of those things that cuts right through all the noise and just puts a smile on people's face. So I, I, I give that all to her and what she's given me over the years. I miss her dearly. I bet you do. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your mom and your Donald Duck companionship there or your your relationship there with Donald Duck. Well, good luck on your nomination. You're probably pretty excited about that. When will you know? What will you learn soon? Oh, my goodness. I'm very excited. Um, So the show is on December 11th, Sunday the 11th. You can stream it directly through the Children's and Family Emmys website. And it's the very first Children's and Family Emmys. So I hope you'll tune in. This is all Uh, a derivative of daytime Emmys focused on animation and uh, things that are created for younger audiences, preschool, et cetera. Hmm. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful show, and I'm so honored to be nominated in the very first Children's and Family Emmys. So uh, please do tune in. And uh, if I may, for your audience members listening, if you'd like to follow me on social media, uh, you can follow me under actor Daniel Ross, actor Daniel Ross, my website, if you want to coach with me or if you'd like something signed, it's actordanielross.com. I've made it so easy. Follow me on TikTok, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, all those wonderful places under actor Daniel Ross. I did see the one of you and your mom on TikTok. So, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. Good luck at the Children's Emmys or whatever the, the official name is. I hope it does well for you and that you enjoy. It's a magical evening for you. Thank you so much. Don't forget, Mickey and Minnie's Wish Upon a Christmas, Disney+. Plus. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure. Take care. Christmas, Christmas.
learn more about Daniel Ross, visit our website at kvcrnews.org lifestyles and click on today's show. As the afternoon host of All Things Considered and the host of KVC Arts, David Fleming knows a thing or two about music. But despite all the lyrics stored in his memory bank, it was no problem for him to narrow it down and choose a few of his favorite songs to listen to this time of year. Here's my colleague, David Fleming. Much of my favorite music is instrumental, but when lyrics are involved, I really appreciate a good story. One of my favorites that I go back to time and time again is Harry Chapin's 30,000 Pounds of Bananas, or of course his much more well-known Cats in the Cradle. And around the holidays, there can be lots of great storytelling. Last year, I shared Christmas in the Trenches as one of my favorites. It's the story of one Christmas day during World War I when the Germans and the British had an unofficial truce, played a soccer game lit by flares, exchanged brandy and laughter, then afterward continued with the war. And by the way, it's a true story. It was Christmas in the trenches where the frost so bitter hung. Frozen fields of France were warmed as songs of peace were sung. The walls they'd kept between us to exact the work of war had been crumbled and were gone forevermore. One of my favorites this year comes from Trans-Siberian Orchestra, one called Old City Bar. Then he looked for the child, but the child wasn't there. In this song, we hear of a runaway or lost child standing in the snow across the street from a bar and wants nothing more than to be home again for Christmas. She receives help from the bartender, and along with the denizens of the bar, in this song we also consider what it is to be home. And the cynics will say that some neighborhood kid Wandered in on some bombs In the world where they hid But they weren't there So they couldn't see By an old neon star On that night, Christmas Eve When the snow... Poignant moments shared through story and song They give us new stories And remind us of our own Often, especially around this time of year. And for that, I'm thankful. On that night of all nights We were already there That was KVCR's David Fleming sharing some of his favorite Christmas music. The first few notes of a song can bring you back to a moment, whether that's gathering around the Christmas tree or in the seats of theater watching The Nutcracker for the first time. Going to see The Nutcracker is a tradition many families look forward to each year during the holidays. KVCR's Shereen Awad shares a bit about the history of the Nutcracker and where you can see the famous ballet in the Inland Empire this season. 
The Nutcracker is the classic story of a young girl named Clara who befriends a nutcracker that comes to life on Christmas Eve and helps him to defeat the evil Mouse King. 130-year-old spoiler alert incoming, their victory releases the Nutcracker from a spell and he turns into a prince. And then they dance in a magical land of sweets. Russian composer Peter Tchaikovsky wrote the score for the Nutcracker in 1892 and at first, the ballet was a flop, with critics writing that it couldn't, in any event, be called a ballet. It wasn't even for children initially, starting off with a much scarier story. But the Nutcracker ended up being revolutionary, not only in its legacy, but in its use of a brand new instrument at the time called the Celesta, which became the voice of the sugar plum fairy from the Land of Sweets. Tchaikovsky discovered the instrument in Paris and asked his publisher to acquire one, but it was a huge secret. He didn't want anyone to use the instrument before he could. And sure enough, it shocked audiences. The heavenly sounds and the wondrous story of the Nutcracker had staying power, and eventually a lighter and dreamier version of the Nutcracker premiered in the United States in 1944 with the San Francisco Ballet, and it went on to be hugely successful. Now the Nutcracker is a popular annual tradition and continues to strengthen the American audience's appreciation of ballet. If this is part of your family's tradition or you'd like it to be, you can see the Nutcracker on stage this holiday season in the Inland Empire. Inland Pacific Ballet's production of the Nutcracker is an elaborate production, including as many as 80 performers. You can catch the performance at the Lewis Family Playhouse at Victoria Gardens Cultural Center in Rancho Cucamonga at 2 and 7.30 p.m. Saturday, December 10th, and at 2 p.m. on Sunday, December 11th. If you can't make it out this weekend, they'll also be at the Fox Performing Arts Center in downtown Riverside at 2 and 7.30 p.m. on Saturday, December 17th, and 2 p.m. on Sunday, December 18th. More information is available at ipballet.org. The Inland Dance Theater's production of the Nutcracker Ballet will be performed at local schools with three ticketed performances at the California Theater of the Performing Arts in San Bernardino from December 9th through December 11th. Inland Dance Theater has presented an annual weekday staging boasting a cast of 100 for area school children with an estimated total of more than 200,000 children having seen the show for free. Performances this year, 7 p.m. on December 9th, 7 p.m. December 10th, and a 2.15 matinee performance on Sunday, December 11th. More information at idtnutcracker.org slash tickets. For Lifestyles, I'm Shereen Awad. That's our show for this week. To hear any of our past shows, visit our website at kvcrnews.org slash lifestyles. You can also listen to Lifestyles on your favorite streaming service. Search for Lifestyles with Lillian Vasquez and take the show on the go. Lifestyles is on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us at 919lifestyles and search for Lifestyles with Lillian on Instagram. Or go to our website, kvcrnews.org slash lifestyles and click on those social media icons at the top of the page. Thanks to all who helped to make this show possible, including Sharina Wad, David Fleming, Sean Houlihan, Natasha Coles, and executive producer Rick Dulock. Our theme music is provided by Ethan Bortnick. 
Join me next week at the same time for Life Sales with me, Lillian Vasquez. Bye for now.